My name is Gary Bontrager. I'm the host at Mindset Growth Podcast. I have Heather, my co-host here with me today. How Hello. are you? Great. How are you? I'm a little cold. You're a little cold? Yes. We're digging out in a little uh, snow, snowy wonderland here in the Midwest. Well, they can't they can't see me, but I do have my <laughs> my uh, my coat over my lap today. It's, it's hard yes. to get warm. It is. So um, I'm excited for our next guest. I uh, understand he's a Midwesterner as well and comes from a town where, you know, his parents still live where they grew up and his kids are around there. And so there's just something to be said about when we get a chance to interview or work with Midwesterners. There seems to be that connection. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of the country here and uh, just different set of values sometimes that we see coming off of the coast. So with no further ado, I want to invite Nick Luisi, Luisi. to the show. Hey guys, uh, Heather and Gary, great to connect with you. I love, uh, you know, I love fellow Midwesterners. We're just nice people, right? You know, right. you get us to a four-way stop sign and we'll be there all day waving the other person on. So right. all is good. And I am trying to thaw my house also. We're in <laughs> outside of Chicago, Illinois, and, you know, negative 25 yes. windshield. Felt that this morning walking into the health club. And, you know, it's, um, you know, my, my, my daughter can't go to... To work because the train tracks are all frozen so everybody's working yeah. from home and we're all fighting over wi-fi here but well, it is good and great to be connected to you and thank you for all you do uh for the entrepreneur community yeah we're excited to talk to you but i'm i'm impressed you made it out this morning to make it to the gym huh I did. I did not go yesterday and it was fortuitous that I did not go because we had a pipe freeze and therefore explode in the house. Okay. And I was able to kind of be in the house and hear that happen and get the water turned off and, you know, clean it up and, and get the get the plumbers or get in the queue to get the plumber here by the mm -hmm. afternoon. And so I like to say that, you know, God sent me a good message and the message is I shouldn't work out yesterday, but he sent me one this morning that I should get back to the gym. So I <laughs> well, love this morning. That's fortunate that you were home when that happened, because that could have been quite a disaster had you not been home and uh, you Gary, had a much bigger mess. <laughs> Gary, you are so right. Um, it is amazing when they kind of come in, new respect for the, the, uh, you know, the, um, the, the companies that clean up after right. they come in with this machinery, they show you where all the water is. It's amazing the yes. amount of water in a short period of time could get caught in your ceiling. Right. I'm like, oh. MG. And yeah. unfortunately, or fortunately, we just had the first floor redone about a year and a half ago, right? So it's all brand new, all brand new hardwood and everything. And so, you know, you're very tentative when you have to get right. that. It wasn't like it was 20 years old and that forces you to do right, everything right. over again. So. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you alluded you grew up outside of Chicago, uh, but Tell us about that town. I know you had just visited with us a bit before we got started and uh, give the give the audience a little bit of a background of how that was for you. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I grew up, um, was born and raised in the city of Chicago. We moved to a town called Park Ridge uh, when I was very young and my brother was just born. And it's really a great small town. It's a small business community, right? Um, it has kind of matured since then. We have a lot of traders that live in that, a lot of lawyers, because we're very close to the city of Chicago. In fact, we touch the city of Chicago. Uh, but I think, you know, kind of, you know, it, it kind of creates an environment that you, you grew up in and you want to emulate for your children. So when my 
my wife and I kind of did the typical young couple moved into the city, then moved to the suburbs. Now we wanted to find a suburb that we were going to raise our children in. We moved back to Park Ridge. Um, and so it's not uncommon when my kids were in high school to be walking down the high school that I went to. So it's very, very, very surreal. And then you're seeing kids has adults that were walking down the halls the same time you were right and it's kind of funny gary and heather and you could appreciate this you know the cheerleader still acted as the cheerleader right the the cut up still acted as the cut up the jock you know still acted as jock you know the, the, we won't talk about the kids that were burnouts or we use the phrase burnouts i'm aging myself yeah, heather right. doesn't know what that term I means. Sure but <laughs> there you go there you go but it's really surreal uh but i think one of the things it did is i was around a lot of small businessmen because it was a small businessmen town and i think it gave me that passion uh to really work with entrepreneurs and become a small businessman and you know quite frankly a lot of my first jobs were in that environment or got to work because small businessmen liked me and when i launched my first sales career it was in a uh, office not too far from park ridge so i really can't get too far uh from my uh my roots as well as my location well, that's awesome. And I think what we often see, and we can, Heather and I can share some of your sediments as far as the, the school experiences, because we both grew up in small towns. And it's just interesting, you know, the football quarterback still thinks he's the quarterback. He just can't quite maneuver like he once did. And it's, those things are fun to see. Um, but with that the other side that really often happens is it's so foundational in the things that we do and you already alluded to that with the uh, fact that you work for a lot of small business owners and it kind of set that mentality that small business was something intriguing to you and you found yourself in that role so uh, I just I, I like to talk about that just a little we're going to get into some of this stuff deeper as we go in into the podcast but um, I think it's just relevant to the fact that regardless of where somebody grows up, uh, you know, the early years of our life are so informative in development and they really just set up a, a solid path. And I think as, uh, as we look at that with even kids in the communities, you know, I mean, it's, uh, if I needed, I've been self-employed all my life as well, similar to you. You know, you knew kind of which parent you wanted to get a hold of to see if their child could come work a few hours a day and do those things because you knew there was a work ethic taught at home and it's an advantage over a large, being in a very large city where you really don't even have those connections. You know, I, I think there is there is something to that, right? And there's something to kind of being more of a fabric of a community. Right. You just feel that. And, you know, we used to joke that when I look at the kids' baseball uniforms when my kids were playing, right, you know, it, it, some of it has elongated itself to the, the banks or some of the corporations. But it used to be, you know, we were, by, one of my teams was fanciled by Randall Jewelers, right? And Randall Jewelers is still in my town, right? So right. you remember that and you want to kind of give back to the right. small businesses. And I was just talking to somebody and we were talking about, you know, I go out of my way, right? Oh, it was somebody coming to do something at my house. And I said, you know, I go out of my way, you know, and in fact, you maybe you spend a little bit more, but yep. you realize that that gentleman, like you talked about, or, or female that does entrepreneur is employing young children from your community, right? Or high school children from your community and instilling values of hard work, showing up on time, being there, um, you know, 
I think these things matter, right? And, and as I get a little bit more aged and a little bit more gray hair, you realize why it matters even more and more and more. And, you know, mm-hmm. right. uh, we can lament about the, the work ethic from some, but, you know, I think some still have a really good ethic. Young right, so. I would agree. And I think the other piece of that is uh, that's really beneficial is I could even recommend my kids to go work you know, go apply at certain places. I would never go help them with it. I made them go through that process. But, you know, they come home and like, did you know this guy? I'm like, well, yeah, I I know them. (laughs) And, you know, they're really nice. I'm like, well, it's kind of why I sent you over there. (laughs) They were going to, you know, have good values and morals. But well, and not only that, uh, and you alluded to this as well, the sponsorships. You know, they give back to their communities. And you see so much of a push for that in these smaller towns now, too, like, uh, choosing local and not, yeah. uh, you know, going to the big franchises. Yeah, I think, you know, you hope that we kind of get back to that. Yeah. Right? Right. There is something about that. I was just listening to a podcast this morning, you know, and it's like it used to be nobody was open on Sundays. Right. right? It was family time. And, you know, you knew that maybe there was the grocery store open or the gas station. You know, you're going out of town, you need a little, a little petrol. But, you know, and, and the families did stuff together. Right. And, and you know, uh, listen, you know, world evolves, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Maybe this is one we could get back to of spending right. more time with the family and, and being more focused on local small businesses. I'm going to kickstart us off to change the subject a little and come back to uh, some of the other questions that we kind of maybe touched on. But one of the questions we ask everybody that comes onto the, onto our show, because we see all kinds of varieties of this, but typically everybody has some type of routine if they stop and think about it. Some are more intentional than others. But do you have a morning routine? I do. And that's a great question, Gary. Thank you. Uh, and I think everybody should. Right. I'm not great at it. And I've kind of forced myself to get better and better at it. So I could go into it, right? We, we joke about a little bit. Uh, Heather gave me kudos for getting to the gym. So I try to do something physical. Not I think it helps, but it also helps the mental aspect. Right? right. So I think, you know, I'm better when I do that. So therefore, I need to do that. Um, there's a couple different podcasts that I kind of listen to to kind of ground myself consistently or a book on tape while I'm working out. Um, there's some things that I read, both spiritual as well as business plus personal motivation every morning. And then I have in Evernote my goals, right? My goals for the month. Every, I kind of do a 30-day rotating goal and I, and I do that. Then I allow myself to scan the Wall Street Journal page one. Just scan it, right? Just look at what happened. And it's easy to get down the vortex of news. And I'm the first one to kind of say I've done that, right? So then I've now turned off news till the end of the day. And I think anything major that will happen will find its way to you if it needs to find its way to you. But that's my routine. Make a smoothie, right? Boring, you know, just you know, put the chia and uh, and all that mm-hmm. flax seeds and all that good stuff in it. And then, um, you know, then I'm off to the races of uh getting in the shower after my wife is done. And, you know, now, now we run to the office, whether the office is here or I got to go visit clients. Right. Nice. I, I like that. I like the um, making sure that you are, well, I get caught up in the headlines a lot. When I, when you pull up your, your internet immediately, the headlines are there and it's pretty easy to get caught up in that. So that is a good idea waiting until the end of the day for that. But um, we've got some rapid fire questions for you now that are just, just to give us a little bit more of a taste of Nick. So uh, what time of day are you most productive? Early, first thing in the morning. 
Nice. Excellent. Uh, what is the last book that you stopped reading and why? Did I have to finish it or no, did I just start stopped, reading it? You just started and it just didn't hit and you just quit reading it. Oh, okay. So right now I'm a hugely child fan. Uh, it's a fiction, right? Uh, and I'm reading his book that's called The Secret. And it's just not jiving with me. And Lee has written a phenomenal uh, series. Now his brother's taking over, not taking anything away from either of them. You can tell, though, when it's not the author. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I like that. I like that. Yeah, there is a shift. It's like the, a ghostwriter situation right. almost and yeah you like, just, just, just line don't up. feel it right, right. they yeah. don't know the character there's things that are amiss it's just not uh -huh. for that there's and there's business books that i start and i just kind of skim right because you could get those you know at a certain point the stories are all the same so i do that well if uh, uh if <laughs> interesting thing with that is there's leadership books like written probably every week and day. Sure. And, sure. you know, if if all of them were effective and a lot of them say a lot of the similar similar things, but it's really on what resonates and applies if there really should only need to be probably one. <laughs> but they're probably they're spot on. But one of my one of my clients teaches people how to become speakers. And, the, you know, the joke is that, you know, you, you, on my block, there's probably four leadership, uh, you know, coaches or, uh, you know, s uh, seminar teachers right now on every block. Right. So there's so many uh, right. going out there. And how do we can become better leaders? We're all plagued with that. Yes, absolutely. But uh, I like to one of, uh, you know, and if I challenge anybody with anything, though, is we talked earlier a little bit and I'm really going off on a rabbit trail a little bit and I'll let you ask the next <laughs> question. But if there was, um, if we look at things that we'd like to get back to that were good foundational things, I think one thing that we looked at maybe uh, movie stars, large public figures to be motivational and driven. And one thing I'm starting to see, you're starting to see a lot more like yourself. I think you do a lot of leadership coaching and different things like that. We do a lot of those things as well. One thing I think that's shifted is rather than looking at the star and everybody trying to, you know, glean from say Zig Ziglar or somebody, we're really seeing where, uh, or the trend I'm seeing, and I'm curious to have your opinion on this. We're seeing people resonate with people like Nick, Gary, Heather, that really can relate because they feel like they're in the trenches with them. They're not just flying in, having a large speaking engagement, going to sell a bunch of material and they're back out. They're not even, you know, you, you can stand in line an hour, maybe get a signature and a photo, but it's not as effective as if they can get right next to somebody and work shoulder to shoulder with them. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think you're spot on, Gary. Um, I think the real world situation in the trenches on a daily basis, right? Kind of been there, seen that, maybe saw this something similar, a client A, client one has a slightly different problem, but I could apply some things. Right. I think that is so spot on um, versus, 
and you do this wonderful podcast that gives back to your community so much, but you always are cautious of having the person that just is only wants to give their stump speech, right? right. They don't want to go deep on any questions. They just right. want to give their talking points because that's their comfort level. So I think you're spot on of kind of getting the person that's going to, I say, roll up the sleeves and become very, very tactical. That's what we do with our right. clients. It's really, really, really tactical. You got to get in the trenches. I'm right. talking to sales reps and kind of even building their pipelines with them so right. they know mm -hmm. how to do that. And um, people want that, right? Yep. I think maybe for the big 500 person event, you know, it's kind of fun and they give us, you know, the old Zig, I mean, I saw him, oh. uh, you, know, and, you know, and it gives you a little shot of energy and, you know, it's kind of fun, but right. you you forgot what he said. I mean, mm -hmm. he's a phenomenal teacher, but you forgot what he said by the time you got in your car. Right. The next morning when you woke up, it's completely all gone, right? right. So there is that. You remember how it made you feel, but that, that motivation only wears on about so long. The one thing I would throw out there that I found interesting is, and our audience is really what we call the nano market, about five to 10,000 View, yeah, v listeners or viewers, like if we're hitting social media pockets, uh, once you start getting bigger than that, you're losing some of our of our clientele. And I think it's just that relatable piece. Um, I will agree with you, too. We've had guests on already who it wasn't we didn't get as far as we are now and we knew this was going to be an entire commercial and they wanted every client we had and it was like okay we got to get through this but um really it comes back to my biggest point i want any listener to listen to the bottom line is it comes back to doing the right thing in the community where you're at and helping people be better and that's what's going to change our country and our world and make this entire universe we live in a better place but with that heather i'll let you go to the next question <laughs> this guy leads me into a lot of good discussions yeah i might not I have love that. much to i say mean that, that's a snippet that i'm going to steal i'm going to give you credit for it gary of course but that's so true and you think about that all the time how do we become better citizens how do yeah. we become better people how do we help those um that are in our you know in our business community in our community right but go ahead heather i'll let you go you got a great <laughs> smile i want to see it <laughs> all right this is the last rapid fire for you so we mentioned high school so thinking back to high school you would have been voted most likely to what Oh, that great question. So I just had, I, I won't give the year because I want you to think I'm younger than I am, but I just had a reunion uh -huh. and w w a couple of the young ladies that I grew up with that were they like, oh, you should run for politics. I said, the world deserves better than Nick Luisi in politics, but maybe most likely to be a politician, most likely to, I was on the, I, I was kind of like, I like to say Ferris Bueller, right? Where I had a lot of different friend groups. I just didn't hang out with one. Um, you know, I like people. You're I like the drama the kids just as much. Yeah. So, you know, most likely uh, to be you know popular or be in politics or something like that um that you know take that for what it's worth no that's a good one there's there's so many different um most likely to and be in politics is probably a better one i'd say well uh, not maybe <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah there's a whole connotation we aren't getting right, into politics right, right, right. you don't have to go deep on that i want to keep it <laughs> right. high level but yeah well, if, I you, mean, if you go into it with the mindset of to help people right <laughs> to help people to help right. those right yes. to yeah help those serve others themselves. there we go yeah uh the next question i have for you and you've you've been in sales pretty much all your life or at least it's, it's, and i don't know you know if you want to talk about that a little but 
my question is this, what is it about sales that ignited your passion and helped you to decide that's what you wanted to build a career around? Yeah. Great question, Gary. And I think it's something simple as, you know, sales is how we help people. Right? Okay. If we have a solution that works for somebody or that they need, the only way to get them is to convince them or to have sales kind of move the needle to get them to yes. Um, I came out of the management training program back in the day in the late 80s, early 90s, when they still companies still had that because um, I wanted that you know entire big company education, realized I didn't want to be in it. So then I kind of found my way into um, financial services, insurance sales, right? That's, and I, it was my first job where I kind of built a book of business. And you, you kind of were emotionally attached to the product, especially for some the insurance product. And I still have somebody today that was a family friend, right? Because you work your warm referrals. That's what they teach you to do. You're shaking your head. So you know this, Gary. Uh, and, you know, like we placed the policy. Well, that policy was still in place. I'm substantially older than when I first got out of college. We will be kind and not say that. But, you know, you really made somebody's life because of that. And so that's that was my first genesis of, you know, you could really help people and, pro and bring in the right product or service to the marketplace for the right audience, for the right prospect, for the right company is the right thing to do. Um, I knew I always wanted to be a salesperson, right? Probably my young, my best uncles, my favorite uncles were in sales. The, the, um, the, the small business owners that maybe I dated their daughters or hung out with their friend, their kids, they were small businessmen and they were salesmen, right? And they were the gregarious, you know, very jovial, friendly, slappy on the back. And you kind of like that, right? Um, I joked that my family business, my, my uncles and grandfather, they were in the produce business, Worst business in the world to be in. As soon as you pull away from the dock, your stock is, you know, your inventory is depleting because it's 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 wasting away. It was so bad that my dad chose to go into Vietnam, right, just ah. to get away from that business. But you know, it's just so you learn that you had to sell what you had on the truck, right? My other side of the family, they had a lot of different businesses. You had somebody had to move the product, and I think that's my inclination, that's my personality, and that's why I was drawn to it. Okay. It's uh, it's interesting when well, you bring up insurance. I've had a 25 year career in uh, PNC and life products. So I understand how that service becomes and you become so community driven to do that because of and those clients really become like friends and family to you. So um, there is a pretty high level of uh, nurturing that goes with with that. And I think you see it, it depends on what you're selling. But I know with insurance that drives that side of it for sure oh sure absolutely i think it's part of the community right you're right you're active on boards right you're probably on two or three boards if i know you and your personality yep. and you know and i think you know you become the fabric of the society you become the go-to person if i think of and I, hopefully they're still around, but I remember my rotary days or my Kiwanis yeah. days, you know, there was always the yeah. insurance guy and they were, you know, mm -hmm. good guys and they just yeah. gals, you know, and they just, you know, they want to give back to their community. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of the the process when you are in insurance itself is just such a, a people related business. You buy from those you know, like, and trust. Right. So, right. and, and that's, that's what, insurance agents really need to put out there but um so so we know that you you really help develop 
these sales teams and a lot of our listeners, a lot of our clients, they really struggle developing a, a solid sales team. So can you talk to us about the process of developing a, a good sales team and um, what, what to look for when you're hiring someone for sales? Great questions, Heather, and thank you. So we'll use Gary as an example. Let's do Gary that. is is probably a fun, one of the best salesmen out there, right? He just intuitively knows what to do because he's done it for so long. And he knows that during the sales process, right, during the discovery process, I came from the business, we used to call it the fact-finding process. I don't know if they still use that phraseology. You're smiling, so you, you remember that. He knows that when he gets an answer at three minutes in, that sounds a certain way, He's got to say something at 23 minutes in, right? So he doesn't get an objection at 45 minutes, right? And he just intuitively knows that. Well, it's very difficult at times sometimes for business owners to translate that. I say we translate owner speak, business owner speak, entrepreneurial speak for the salespeople because they need that. They need that script. They need those talk tracks. They need all of that information so that they understand what your brand is in the marketplace, what your passion is, and how do you help people. And a lot of times business owners just intuitively know how to do that. And so they kind of whitewash it or go through fast and they don't spend the time to train up the salespeople. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them business owners with 15 to 20 to 30 things on their to-do list that they got to get done, solving their own client problems, strategically working with partners, all of that. So we kind of come in and do what I call the blocking and tackling. You're in Iowa, so we could go to Iowa football. Uh, I believe one a great coach was Hayes, right? And he every probably started every practice with saying, you know, we're going to work on the fundamentals, right? We're going to stretch ourselves. We're going to work on the fundamentals. We're going to start blocking and tackling and all that good stuff. And a lot of times we don't do that with salespeople. And then we get frustrated with them because no one spent the time to work with them on the fundamentals. So we do that, right? We kind of build the playbooks. We build the the sales process, we build the discovery questions, the fact-finding questions, all of that, the objection matrix, how they should touch, what does the LinkedIn look like, what does the outreach look like, what do the emails look like, and so now we have a playbook. And that's just like football, right? Every every beginning of the season, we have the playbook. Playbook may change, right, depending on who we're who we are playing against or what's happening in the marketplace, but we're constantly updating that. Mm -hmm. From that then, now we just work with and coach the salesperson because the business owner just doesn't have the time to, nor will they sometimes get all the factual information from the marketplace because the people don't want to give bad news 100% of the time. So we act as that ombudsman. Okay, what's going on in the marketplace? What are you hearing? Why do why are these deals languishing? Why can't we break into these new accounts? Whatever that looks like. And so then we manage pipelines, we do coaching, we manage KPIs, and we help the business owner either have a complete process and playbook, right? And how to hire people. Um, we build that out. I was just doing that for a client this morning. We're building out the ad. We're building out how they pay them. What do the spiffs look like? What do the commissions look like? How, you know, what does the training program look like? So you now have a complete process, if you will. I'm a big systems guys. Though it's an art form, I think it's an art form that is driven through systems and processes. And sales, you know, I deal with business owners all the time, 
And I use the analogy of Jack Nicholas, who's one of the best golfers in the world. Somebody approached Jack Nicholas and said, Jack, you know, how do you hit a one iron? He goes, well, you grab the one iron and you swing and you hit it, right? <laughs> he could not explain it to them, but he intuitively knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. So right. you need a coach, right. right? You need somebody to intuitively explain, let's work on the grip. Let's see how you're going. How far back are you going? Are you bending your arms in or out? What does your swing look like? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do, right? We listen to a lot of calls. We kind of give real-time coaching and feedback in on the calls. And hopefully we make sales teams and salespeople better and better and better. Separately, I'm Gage. And I'm Bontrager. Together, we, we are, are Gage Bontrager Consulting. We work on changing your mindset. Developing leaders building systems and processes, helping you grow personally and professionally to achieve the success that you want personally and professionally. However you choose to define success for you. Reach out to us and follow us on social media or look us up on the website and that will put you on a path to achieve what is missing in your life. Thanks for watching this episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. You know, a couple of things I want to quickly point out because I want the audience to hear this. Uh, One simply that we run into a lot is business owners tend to do the sales in a small town business or any, you know, until they develop a team. And I think they do it so often because they're wearing multiple hats. They're probably most effective at it because they kind of have that, you know, do or die attitude. These sales need to happen, but they really black out the whole process side of it. And then they go out and start to hire salespeople. And if they're fortunate, they may hire somebody that's of similar style and training of theirs from somewhere else, and they can plug them in and go. But I just this week was working with a client who has two salespeople and he's outperforming them part-time combined. And so as I start asking the discovery questions, you know, I learned real quick, there's three people selling and there's three different ways they're doing it. And they're the two sales guys are telling him why he's what he wants them to do, why it's not working. So we had to break it all the way back down to the fact that one, they're not even doing what you're doing. What they're doing is not working. And so we've got to set up the metrics to start to do measurements, get a unified system put together so we can actually, and I think this is something uh, when we work with a lot of this, what happens with when you're, when you're with a company and I want your, your thoughts on this. So, when you go in and work with a new company and you're helping them develop a, a systematic sales process and you have, let's just take three sales guys and they've all three got a bit of their own method. And I think because when we're young, our parents, and I'm just, you know, I'm not picking on them, but you know, they say, don't touch this, don't do that. And so we start to develop as humans real quickly, what is right and what is wrong. And now we've got three people that have been taught just naturally that method. And when we get into this sales meeting and he's saying, I want you to do this, what they're interpreting is what I'm doing is wrong. And you're telling me I'm failing. When really it's what, what is most effective and what is not effective. It's not always black and white because 
what I want the audience to very clearly hear what you said is the fact that, Nick, you were saying you adapt it from one business to the next because each business has a personality. And so what I see happen, and I want your opinion on this, I see people take, you know, plug into these large coaching companies and because of their size, they're taking a one size fits all and trying to do a plug and a play. And I don't see that being effective, but if we can get away from the right and wrong, black and white and into what's effective and what's not, what's your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, you're spot on, right? Uh, and that articulated it phenomenally too, right? So we just don't, if I had a, if I had a hammer, everything's going to be a nail, right? right? And I don't do that. I come with a complete toolbox and right. I try to say what's going on in the marketplace. Who are you selling to? What does that look like, right? And what is the process and the systems? But what's also going on in the mind of the prospects that we're selling to, right? Are they Midwest people? Therefore, they're thinking about certain things. right? And you have to really articulate all that. And you also said something so well, right? And, and I always say, listen, I don't care. I just want what works, right? And right. so we're going to get to what works. That's going to be our true north. I come from the direct response world. In that world, we would call it a control, right? So now we have a control sales process. Doesn't mean we're not going to test new things. Goes back to the playbook, right? So we went off the field and we're down 37 to zero at a halftime. We got to try something new because our run game is not working. And I apologize for using sports, but it's just easy. Plus, I just watched the the um, the Monday night game last night with the Manning brothers, right? So it's top of mind. <laughs> but you know, so um, so we have to constantly be adjust. But you need that process, right? So what's our proven and repeatable sales process, which is my goal to get to, and now. Now, this is how we're selling. And the important thing, too, is giving that feedback, that coaching back. And you could do it wrong, and therefore the person shuts down. Right. Because right? they just heard, I'm doing it wrong. Mm. No, it's not. You're doing wrong. And we had that happen, right? So we have that. We do that. We, we listen to sales calls, and you do it as a team, or you do it one-on-one, -on -one and you give them feedback. And it could be, you're using 332 words when you only need to use three. Much like probably Heather thinks I'm answering all these questions, right? <laughs> but it's just, you know, what, it, what, what hey, listen, people are fast. They got to get on, especially if it's an inside sales environment, you got to get them on and off the phone. You got to get what's critical. You got to do that fact finding and then get them to that quote because that's what they want, right? Because it's easy for people to get off. And so you need to understand the environment. You need to understand who you're selling to, why you're selling it to them. And, you know, in this example that I just used, one of the inside sales reps that we were coaching, well, we had to explain to him, sure, you, you treat everybody differently. You're getting somebody calling you from work for a service right? That's younger. You got to be a little faster. You have mm -hmm. an older retired woman from the North shore of Chicago with a $3.8 million house calling for the same service. You could spend more time with her because she's going to want to feel comfortable with you. Right? right. So you just have to kind of know that and, and, and have that nuance. And the business owner intuitively knows that, right? They just know, right? right. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Or, okay, now I got to hit the buttons of, we're going to take care of you everything is fine. You're in the right place. The person living in the condo, right? This was a home services doesn't, you know, they go, they want in and out, right? They, it's a transaction for them. They're in their twenties. They're, you know, they're, they're looking at ticky tock and everything else, right? So you just have to know who you're selling to and how to move it through appropriately. And you're spot on with that, but we don't also tie it to the why. 
here's why we're doing what we're doing, right? Very All important. we care about is is serving more people, right? right? In your business, getting more PNC so we have the appropriate coverage. Because God forbid, I just like this today. Uh, yesterday, we had a pipe burst, right? It's, we're in the middle of Chicago and the pipe burst, right? So do I have the right coverage? And I was so happy when the plumber goes, well, who's your insurance company? We said XYZ company, I won't name them by names. They said, oh, they're phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. And so <sighs> I'm not gonna have to fight. Right. I'm not going to, I got this stress to deal with. I don't have extra stress of fighting with my insurance company, right? And so that's true north. And we got to explain to them the why. And we also have to kind of explain to the prospects. But until you're kind of in the seat and working with the salespeople and realizing that, you got to be back. So it goes back to what you said. XYZ companies coming in, they're swooping in, they're flying in from wherever, Chicago, for lack of a better phrase. They've got one playbook. They got a person that probably has never sold. Right. Maybe they have. Right. They're in front of the they're good in front of the room. Right. They're going through the workbook with you and they walk out. And they right. have no context to your business and they don't have no context of how to sell today because today in 2024 you're going to have to sell a little different as the year progresses because we are in a um we are in an election year right doesn't yeah. i'm not political i'm just saying is yeah. we're going to start shutting down listening because there's going to be so much noise in the marketplace and so you got and i'm coaching all of my clients now you got to get everything going because q4 is going to be it's going to be tough right to get because people are going to well we're going to hold off to the election right mm -hmm. you know it used to be we're going to wait till call me after christmas right now it's we find any reason to kind of push the sale away right. so you've got to really be focused on all of that each and every day Relationships are huge. I uh, love oh. Nick, Nick. I love yeah. that uh, process that you're going through. Uh, I would just anyone listening to this, I challenge if you're going to work with somebody and it's not, you know, Nick or us, make sure there's somebody that's going to partner with you and really, you know, w w wear that what you're doing right alongside you. But it's really easy for coaches to get into the plug and play. We've heard that time and time again when we're working with some of our clients like, well, I, I, I worked with such and such and I just it didn't feel specific to me. It didn't feel we just didn't jive. I spent buku bucks right. for this and I felt unheard. But um, you were talking about basically different personality types when you're when you're selling to a person. And that's something that we work with as well. The, you know, you might have someone on the phone that only wants the nuts and bolts. They don't want the pleasantries. And you're gonna, your next call is going to be the person that's like, I want to know how you make me feel. I'll spend whatever, but it's going to be about how you make me feel. So can you talk to the importance of, of that, of altering your who you're speaking with and working with there i think that's one of the drivers of success i think you hit it on the head right and it's a little bit of what we spend some time with of of you and it's active listening right and if they say you know can you you know can you see what i'm saying right so now they're a visual person mm -hmm. so you may know i need to get something in front of them visually so they could see it so because you could give me numbers all day long but if i don't see them or to pick up a pen and write them down I mean, you know, forget it. I'm closing. You can tell me prices. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about, right? I got to see it, right? Let me. Right, here's what we're doing. We're shooting you a text. We're shooting you an email so you could see this, and then I'll walk you through it, right? 
or if they, how do I feel about this? Now, I know I have an intuitive person, right? So I need to kind of work through that with them. We're all different. That's what makes this world so fun, right? Mm-hmm. We were all different. If we were all boring drivers, right? That would be, first off, you'd be exhausted, right? Because you can't sell drivers all day long, right? You know, give me the facts, just the fact, blah, blah, blah. And they want to control the environment. As a salesperson, you feel like you just walked in the middle of a boxing ring and you're trying, you know, you're just throwing, you know, that's horrible, right? So you want to have different persons personalities and realize that. Mm-hmm. And so it all starts with active listening, right? First off, it's also the work that you guys do is so important in this. If just training people, if here are the different personality types, here's the different communication styles. You have to learn that. And now you have to adjust yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because if you just goes back, if everything's, if you only have a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So how do I teach my team how to do that, how to listen to that? And I think that is the one thing that we could really do, right? We get them on a proven and repeatable sales process based on the personality type. Listen, teach them active listening. Part of the coaching we're doing is just saying, hey, listen to how you say that or watch how you're presenting yourself. We're selling a Zoom nowadays, right? So it's right. easy. The old days we used to do it belly button to belly button, right? And just have to be in the field. So it's easier to give real time feedback and just really teach them. Okay, first off, know your demographic. I was just listening to a product uh, pitch today. It was a quick overview and it wasn't for me. The, the salesperson used the phraseology awesome six times in a 10 minute call. That's a lot. <laughs> six, and I, and I love awesome, right? You know, we all want to be awesome. Yeah. That was, you know, so we also look at the language and know the language barrier. There's some great books on it. The training you guys do is probably phenomenal on it too, right? But just kind of teach your people that of how to sell to that. You know, if you're millennial selling to a baby boomer or whatever your phrase, their phraseology is, you've got to match that and know that and figure out how do they want to be communicated with, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. And that you'll hear is, oh, they understand me. They heard me, right? Compared to, well, they didn't understand me. They didn't hear me. I didn't feel like I was, you know, I was, I was listened to. Well, you probably were it's just that you didn't give feedback in the methodology that the person wanted to receive the feedback so you need to train on that 24 7. you know about 17 to 13 percent depending on the study says all communication is verbal and i think that's what you just mentioned is watch that and if they can learn to mirror their body language and the fact non yeah the non-verbal communication of their body language and try to match that it's that's one of the easiest cues. I mean, so once they start matching your body language, yeah, and, you're sitting and then you know the you're table, syncing you up with them. Them. with them. But if they're saying awesome and they're excitable, and if you keep pouring that back, they're going to feel connected. If you're just really bringing the energy down, that person's probably like, yeah, let's get you out of here. So it's a big deal on learning how to understand people and pick up those nonverbal cues uh, to really try to navigate the relationship because people still do business with people they like it doesn't matter i can trust yeah if if you don't it doesn't matter how much you know (laughs) if they don't like you and trust you it's all about building that that's really uh i think if there's a new salesperson and often they feel like they don't know enough about product knowledge if the most important thing I always push people towards is the fact of learning how to communicate and relate to the person and earn the person's trust and respect. 
And, you know, that's going to make a big difference. The product, certainly they can have, have to have the knowledge, but they can go back, get answers and do some things there if there's that trust there that they are trustworthy and they're liked. But I think, you know, I think you're spot on, Gary, with that. Um, and we don't do enough t training on that. And I think, you know, if they're coming out of the university, if they have a lot of psychology uh, courses, right, that's going to teach them that interpersonal skill yeah. of that. Uh, and if they don't, if they don't have the benefit of, of a college education or that, then we have to kind of bake that into our training programs so that people understand that. You know, Nick, I've got another question here. Shift a little bit. This is something that comes up a lot, and I think it's changed a lot. You mentioned TikTok, which a uh, whole sales process. I believe it was Tiki Talk. Tiki Talk. <laughs> but <laughs> the whole thing with that is, too, you got to understand the age demographic because some of the younger ones are taking information so rapidly compared to some of us old folks. But lead generation is always a hot topic for people in sales. And what are some things that you feel are very effective to generate new leads? I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a whole social media side and some other things, but what do you see being effective in that market? So I still think that you got to master LinkedIn, right? And you have to have, I'm not saying a big audience, maybe a small audience that you're communicating with, right? And I think you, you if you're selling in the B2B environment, I think you have to know that and spend some time on that and do that right, right? I think that's key. Um, and I think it's kind of breaking through the clutters. Now, really, and you guys are probably see it and I see it myself, some of the messaging and in inbox is in uh, LinkedIn is, is just you don't even know my business right you just didn't spend any time right yeah. you didn't you know fine you know and you know in the old days we would do our discovery before we got on the call with anybody nowadays because it's easy we just shoot off messages so i think to answer your question i think linkedin still it works really well i still think that this wonderful device now it's a cellular phone in the old days it used to be a phone that was on the on the table still works breaks through the clutter um, I see a lot of people from lead generation perspective get some success just because we're doing the share volume um, email, right? Really good, well-crafted email messages are breaking through to people. Um, we see not early in the funnel, but after you've had a couple touches with them or maybe even a call or a discovery or whatever your sales process is in, using um, video, video messaging um, is working and breaking through the clutter. Um, I was joking, you know, I see people in my space and I talk to them all the time. You know, TikTok has worked. It's not that the end user is on it, but what happens is like in sales training, right? There's a, somebody sees you, they then go to their boss and say, hey, I, you know, if you're thinking about somebody in the sales training arena, I really like this person, right? So the, the people are getting getting value out of that. If you're selling in the consumer marketplace, I still think that you have to be on the gram, Instagram, right? Doing lead generation on that and Facebook. I think those are key. Um, it's gonna get more expensive as we talked a little bit about as we get closer to November, right? But you still need to be there and I'd be watching my cost per lead every day on that. Um, you know, some very specific audiences and very specific markets, we see success in direct mail, right? So. So I think the answer to the question is everything, right? And it's and it's just managing and tracking it, but you got to do it right. 
messaging still matters, right? That's the important thing. So having the right audience, having the right messaging, and really kind of breaking through the clutter, and then having some level of phone interaction, mm-hmm. following up on the phone, teaching your salespeople, uh, your SDRs, your BDRs, whatever you're doing, your appointment setters, to, to work the phone is breaking through. So what I'm hearing is personal contact. 100%, yes, yes, we, yes. We get so many emails, and I know our listeners do too, um, and the email coming to you seems personal. It sounds somewhat personal. Um, you're not quite sure, though, if they actually went out and researched your business, but then you look up at the email address, and it's at something that makes no sense. And like, okay, this is just, they don't know me. They This is just another number, and... Uh, but then those get swept in with the ones that are personal contact, though. It, it can be confusing, I feel like. 100%. And I think um, if you're sending out a large volume of emails, you got to make sure because Google and uh, some of the other providers are making some changes starting in February, right? So making sure you're doing some things properly so your one-off emails are getting through to, uh, to the things. So, you know, always... Real listen on mass companies are always going to do that even right. even small businesses are mm-hmm. always going to do that nothing you could do about it we teach them or that right you got to hit your email you got to right. build a list you got to build an asset and you got to email out to them but i think you need to make emotional bank account deposits right you need to give value 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 then do they ask a value 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 then do they ask mm-hmm. and you know gary you're you're probably be a huge fan of this i think the small business, the local business has that and now that advantage because you could send personalized, right? Right. Let me tell you a little bit about what happened with my kids this weekend, right? Right. People are going to, you know, yeah. like we teach that in newsletters. If you're doing some level of news, put personal stuff in there. Yes. Here's what I did on vacation. Oh, I don't want to brag. But that bonds with people, yes. right? And we've even done that in a B2B environment. And I had a, a person, and we just, he had a newsletter, and this person was an avid traveler, the salesperson was an avid traveler. And he wrote about his travels, but then he gave value in the newsletter. And he was, it was an enterprise sale. He was talking to his um, IT, right? He was talking to the CIO. The CEO walked by, got introduced and said, oh, you're the traveler. So he was reading this guy's email, right? So it's relative, it's nuanced. And so I think that's the important thing. So keep your personality in it. I love Mm -hmm. it, right? People are attracted to people that are real and talk Uh about who they are and why they are. And I think nothing has a better opportunity to break through the clutter than the small to localized businesses because big faceless corporations aren't going to do that. Right. I think that's a really... That is a great piece of advice. I think that people try to stay so professional at times that they they forget that this other human sees me as a human as well, and, and let's relate that way. So you're saying AI is not going to replace us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think there are some places that it's fantastic. but um, So, Nick, if you were to summarize what the most important steps are that would be to building a sales career what would that look like so i think have a true north right so if you're a salesperson, have a true north of why you're going to this marketplace and why you're trying to sell 
Uh, what are the benefits, right? Know people, as Gary said, right? So understand people and personalities and interpersonal skills and that type of things. So those are the first three to four things. Then I'm going to figure out what's the sales process. If my organization doesn't have one for me or doesn't have it, I might go to the best providers and figure out how they sell, right? Or I may try to piece it together, right? And just test it. Um, and I think you have to also really work on this, right? I spend most of my time working on the mental aspect of things. You as a salesperson, if somebody's not helping you with that, you have to realize that there's days that it, 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 it we don't want to pick up the phone. There's days we're going to hear no. So kind of work on your grit and understanding your grit. I think you should have a coach early on, right? Do the with you guys, uh, the work that you guys do. Somebody that has been in it and done it and just kind of sees things through. And, you know, we go back to the football analogy, right? The coach is seeing things that's happening on the sidelines is a different vantage point than the quarterback that is seeing things happen coming at him in real time. So he could give that real time feedback. So I think, you know, for a young salesperson or sales, somebody starting in sales or somebody that's in sales that wants to take themselves to the next level, I would do all that. You know, I, uh, I think if, if you're going to build a sales career and really anything you're going to do in life, uh, the part I like that you're saying about your true north, uh, I had the privilege of writing a book this year. And a lot of times we talk about goals. And in the first chapter, I talk about that. But before we set goals, I talk with clients a lot about knowing your purpose or having your mission statement for your life dialed in. And that is really your true north. And then having your your uh, um, core, values. core values. Yes, thank you. Have your core values established so you understand what it is, that you, what parameter you're going to work in and then set your goals. And I guess I just want to tag that in on a, for any young salesperson or really any young business owner, because life moves pretty quickly and we all want to be effective at what we do. But if we really understand the true North, Nick, like you're talking about, it makes the rest of it so much more effective, so much easier to work with. And it keeps us really focused on what we're doing and keeps us from wandering off the side and things like that. So Nick, I want to thank you for spending this hour with us. Um, I have really enjoyed this. I really want to thank you for investing into the lives of others. I believe that's what's going to make this world a better place is each person. And I believe each client that you work with, you're influencing them to go out to the next, you know, into their community and reach all the people that you'll never know. And I just want to appreciate how you have invested in your life to serve others. Uh, how, how do people find you? If they want to learn more about you or what you do, I can only imagine you're on LinkedIn. Well, I know you're on LinkedIn because I think that's how we connected. Uh, LinkedIn's been a wonderful tool. But how, what are some other areas that they could go find you if they want to learn more about Nick and what he's about? So I think... Um, so the way, easy, first off, let me thank you guys, right? 
the phenomenal podcast. You guys, your approach, phenomenal. Heather, from the beginning, you know, you're so classy, reaching out. Here's what we're, you know, this was a great experience. And I do a lot of podcasts, right? So this was a phenomenal experience. And I want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank you for the podcast, right? You're helping so many people. Probably don't even know that people are listening. And we always got to work on the mindset, right? So how do we work on the mindset? And how do we grow and improve our mindset? So that's the, you know, first and foremost, let me thank you for that. And thank you for this opportunity to just learn. I've got stuff I learned during this hour uh, and it's made me a better person, right? So, you know, you invest, your emotional deposits were phenomenal for me. So I appreciate that. So thank you for that. Um, they could go on LinkedIn, right? And find me, they could go to salesperformanceteam.com uh, and find me if they go to sales pack and we'll put that in the show notes, sales packed at salesperformanceteam.com. Uh, we've got some free, free goodies for people. I wrote a book. We could get that to them. Uh, there's a hundred point checklist. So if you're a DIYer, right, and you would just want to do it yourself, there's a great checklist of what the top performing sales teams look for. That's there. So we've got a lot of good stuff. And I want to I want to give back, right? Um, and, you know, help people along their way. Um, we're constantly pushing out new content. I'm trying to be better about that. I like teaching. I like sharing that. I don't think I could go to the university and teach in this day and age. Uh, but I like the small snippets. I like doing stuff like this. So we've, you know, we've got a ton of content for people. And if they just want to have a question and they're a listener to this show, just shoot me an email at nick at salesperformanceteam.com. And then from that, uh, we'll be able to uh, answer it for them or if they need to get on a quick phone call. We're here for them. But thank you guys for this wonderful podcast and for all you're doing. Uh, you know, Gary, uh, it's been an honor. Heather, it's been an honor. Thank you guys. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I uh, feel like I've made another new friend today. I don't know if we'll get the opportunity to meet, but I'm sure I'll keep a closer eye on you on LinkedIn. Uh, do appreciate, again, you just taking this time and uh, serving our audience. And hopefully this resonates with your audience as you share it as well. So with that, thank you for joining us on Mindset Growth Podcast. Mm -hmm.